0: Welcome to the Lost Roman Heroes Podcast. My name is Matthew. And my name is Matteo. And together we are diving deep into the history of Rome from its founding to its death, uncovering Rome's greatest heroes along the way and ranking them. And this, Matteo, is episode number 19. Spartacus cool no
1: yeah a guy that was obviously uh, they they mentioned him a lot in, uh popular like medias and stuff like that popular culture there's a bunch of movies about him yeah uh, so he's definitely a known figure but do we really know his story do we know his story I don't know
0: it is remarkable how Spartacus of all the names of ancient Rome, this is one that resonated. It's one that stuck around. Yeah. And incredibly enough, Spartacus was not a Roman. Nope. He was from Thrace. Yeah. So this is going to give us a little bit of a challenge because the name of this podcast is Lost Roman Heroes. And here we are covering our first non-Roman candidate for hero. So let's get rolling. We've dear, we finally left the Roman Civil War behind. Right. No more Sulla, no more Marius. And we're talking about today somebody who is truly legendary. But is he a hero, as you said. So let's jump in. First, as we do each episode, let's orient ourselves on the map and in time. Uh, we, we think that Spartacus was born around 103 BC. We're definitely not in Rome. As you said, he was born in Thrace, which is somewhere in northern Greece, southern Bulgaria. We don't know exactly where. Now, Crassus, our hero candidate from last episode, was 12 years old when Spartacus was born, just to put this into context. And Pompey, the great Pompeius Magnus, who we're going to cover next episode, was three years old. And Mr. Caesar himself would be born in three years. He was born in 100 BC. So those are kind of the main characters when Mr. Spartacus comes into the world.
1: Yeah, so uh, we didn't do a world update last episode, so uh, we can take a quick look right now. The Han Dynasty was flourishing in China. They were building stuff like the Great Wall and expanding the Silk Road trade routes. In the Americas, the Mayans were advancing their calendar system and constructing impressive temples. And the Olmecs were building their monumental stone heads. Meanwhile, in Africa, the Kingdom of Kush Uh, started to thrive and spot up in the region. Very interesting. I have to tell you, that little
0: bit that you're doing, the highlights from around the world, I'm woefully ignorant of a lot of world history. I'm so super focused on the ancient world in Europe. And so I'm finding it interesting. Nice. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, so before we start talking about Spartacus, Mateo, we need to talk about a big problem. You know the expression, history is written by the victors? Yeah. Well, Rome
1: won. Yeah. Spartacus lost. So obviously he's going to be demonized.
0: He's going to be demonized, and there's no, there are no histories or contemporary histories of Spartacus himself. We learn about Spartacus reading guys like Plutarch who were <laughs> writing about Crassus. So Spartacus is mentioned by a few ancient historians, Plutarch, Appian, and Sallust, but as the enemy. Not necessarily yeah. as the protagonist of the history. We just romanticized his story basically it, a lot a lot. So so we don't know a lot about him directly. it's it's all indirect knowledge, but we're gonna do our very best here to uncover the real Spartacus right right. Okay. So first of all, cool name and you said this in the last episode is, is Spartacus does that mean was he from Sparta? And the more research I did, the more I realized that, to a certain extent, you were right, in the sense that Spartacus does mean from Sparta, guy from Sparta in Latin. But he was definitely not uh, Latin, was definitely not Roman. And according to Roman historians, this guy was th- from Thrace, and his real name was probably Spartacus, or Sparadacos, which sounds much more Greek, right?
1: Right, I mean... The northern parts of uh, the Balkans was uh, a barbarian Hellenic hybrid. So, because obviously the Greeks did colonize that part of north, they conquered that part of north. Alexander was there, so yeah, they were definitely a hybrid uh, race.
0: Uh, I like that Hi- uh, hybrid barbarian, I think that's that's exactly what I picked up on in my reading. So, Sparadakos means famous for his spear in kind of the native tongues of that part of Thrace, northern Greece, so which I think is massively cool, no? Yeah. Famous for his spear. But we're gonna call him Spartacus. Right. Because we don't want to confuse people. We don't know a lot about his origin story. Uh, According to Plutarch, he was part of a nomadic tribe in Thrace, perhaps called the Medi or the Maiodoi, (laughs) my Doy. My If you go to our website, www.lostromanheroes.com, Mateo, you'll find a map of that region and you'll see on the map where the My were. Um, so somewhere, well, somewhere up there in what
1: I guess today is Bulgaria. Well, it's not Bulgaria today. What is that? Uh, if I don't sound, if I'm not wrong, uh-huh. that
0: is. So somewhere near the Strymon River.
1: Well, that's pretty. It's pretty close to Thessalonica, actually. But actually, yeah, no, that is maybe yeah in in between Bulgaria and Greece, I guess. Okay. And North Macedonia. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So the Thracians, Mateo,
0: these were fearsome fighters. They were like the Vikings of their day. They were hellraisers. They rode horses. They were tattooed. And Spartacus himself was an especially big, big dude. He was big. He was bearded, tattooed, tough guy. He lived near the River Strymon, as I said. And this is the first episode, Matteo, that not only are we covering a non-Roman, but certainly somebody that was not born in Italy, which I think is kind of cool. We'll see more and more of this as we go on. We don't know who Spartacus' mother or father were. There's some speculation that maybe he was kind of a noble of his tribe or that he was kind of a blue blood of his tribe. But it's really just speculation. Right. Some say that maybe he was a Roman, Roman legionary at some point. So that he was an auxiliary troop fighting in the Roman legions that he deserted and that he was subsequently captured and enslaved. He may have had a wife, Mateo, who was a priestess of his tribe who was also captured at the same time and also enslaved. This is how Plutarch describes Spartacus. He was a Thracian from the nomadic tribes and not only had a great spirit and great physical strength, but was much more than one would expect from his condition, most intelligent and cultured, being more like a Greek than a Thracian.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: And he goes on to say that when he was first taken to Rome to be sold, a snake was seen coiled around his head while he was asleep, and his wife, who was a priestess, subject to possession by the frenzy of the god of ecstasy, Dionysus, declared that this sign, the snake around his head, meant that he would have a great and terrible power, which would end in misfortune.
1: That's... A great thing to, uh, right. to tell your husband. <laughs> yeah, you shall to get some sleep, in your wife is <laughs> screaming at the stars. That's true.
0: That sounds like a bit of an odd relationship.
1: Yeah, but, like she's almost wanting that to happen. Yeah, to each their own. So that's
0: literally Matteo. All we know about Spartacus until he explodes onto the scene. So all of this legend that's been built up about him is based on a ton of conjecture. We just don't know. And we don't really know what he looked like. Of course, there are no sculptures created of him. You don't create sculptures of slaves that bring the empire to its knees right. without foreshadowing. There are no coins. Because for the Romans, he wasn't really a person, no? Right. He was just a, a thug, basically. He was just... A piece of property. Yep. That is precisely right. So... You know, I did a lot of looking online at old Roman mosaics of, of gladiators, because Spartacus is a gladiator, we're about to talk about it, um, and I, you just wish you could know what he looked like. Now, you created something that we're going to see at the end of the episode, which I love in uh, in ChatGPT, and we're going to put that on, on the website as well, what you envision Spartacus as looking, and uh, I think it's pretty darn cool. but. Before we talk about Spartacus, Mateo, let's talk gladiators. All right. Who doesn't love gladiators,
1: right? I mean, yeah, they're pretty much loved by everybody. Uh, unless you were a gladiator. Right. And then seeing another gladiator probably wouldn't bring a smiley <laughs> <Right. laughs>
0: I think you're probably right. So gladiators were guys, and Mateo, you probably didn't know this. Did you know there were girl gladiators?
1: I did know they were girls, actually. Come on. I did. How'd you know? Uh, because in the movie, well, I guess I didn't, I don't know if it was historically accurate, but in the movie Gladiator, they have some summation females riding chariots. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh,
0: I completely forgot about that, and actually. I completely
1: forgot about the summations until right now.
0: How interesting. Well, there were female gladiators, Matteo, until the Empress Septimius Severus outlawed female gladiators in the year 200 CE. Okay.
1: Oh. Little... Is that progressive or is that anti-progressive?
0: To me, it sounds anti-progressive. Let them fight.
1: Let them them go throw their lives away in the ring.
0: Yeah. Why not? If if boys can do it, girls can do it too. Yeah. So gladiators, Mateo, were professional fighters. They were either slaves or they were ex-slaves or maybe they were prisoners. And even sometimes, Mateo, broke aristocrats would become gladiators to make a few bucks.
1: That's pretty crazy.
0: I would say so. There's got to be That's a better way. A little extreme, yeah. <laughs> right? There's got to be a better way. So they got paid to fight, Mateo. And so they literally, they would sign a contract. And the contract was typically for 30 to 35 fights. And at the end of your contract, you get paid and you gain your freedom. Right. So gladiators fought in the arena, oftentimes to the death, but not always to the death because these guys were super valuable. They were entertainers. And so...
1: Yeah, they were They're probably, like, they were worth millions of dollars, probably. They were worth... A, a successful gladiator. Yeah. Is probably a million-dollar a million piece of, a million dollar piece of merchandise.
0: It is a, a very pricey piece of merchandise. That is true. And gladiatorial games, Matteo I sort of thought that they were invented by the Romans, but it was probably an Etruscan tradition.
1: That's pretty interesting. Right? You know, the gladiators were, like, the... Uh, the uh, It's like a modern day WWE wrestler. Because it's not just guys that they throw out, but there's, if you were a successful one, you know, you were like a celebrity almost. They built up a backstory. You had your own lore, a fan club probably. You know, oh. Like you were a celebrity in the streets of Rome. You were a superstar. It was like the WWE almost yeah. back then. Like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, or The Rock.
0: Yeah, The Rock, but not Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was when I was growing up. He Rock was pretty or Brock cool. Lesley. The Rock. Nobody's cooler than The Rock. If I made a movie no. about gladiators, oh. I would cast the Rock oh, as a gladiator. I
1: mean, yeah, he'd, he'd fit in pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So, if you go to our website, Mateo, www.lostromanheroes.com, you're going to see a cool image of the four most common types of gladiators because there were four types, and each type had its own set of armament and fighting style. You had the Thracian, or the Thrax, Right, because yeah. the axe was a, very, was a weapon. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, the Samnite. The Murmillo. And the Retiarius. The Retiarius is the guy that would fight with a net and a trident, which is very cool, but at I don't know. At the same know. time, yeah, it seemed like it was <laughs> like, kind of at like a disadvantage. Right. Everyone else gets a shield and you get to <laughs> so you got to bring your net. And there was also the Provocateur, which is the guy that would kind of, I don't know, mess with people's heads, and the secutor.
1: Yeah, the, so the provocateur would basically just uh, instigate the whole time.
0: Yeah, he was an instigator. So you would think that because our boy Spartacus was from Thrace, he would be a Thracian uh, in terms of his fighting style, but he was not. He was a mormillo. That comes from the Latin word murus, meaning wall. So these guys were the heavyweight fighters in the world of gladiators. The Murmio? Yep. Alright. Yeah. So, no one's born a gladiator, right? Like anything else, if you want to get good at it, you got to go to school. Right. And they were called ludus,
1: Like academies. Yeah, they were academies. Gladiatorial academies. Well, ludis is just a school, I'm pretty sure. Like, I think ludis is just the word for school. Really? I think so. Okay, you're, te- you're teaching me lots no, of stuff today. No, no, today. no. Don't take that. <laughs> don't take that. That's a heart. But I'm pretty sure, because I used to play this video game that was based on Romans, Uh and every time I'd send my kids to school, I'd send them to the the Ludus. So either I would send them to gladiator school, or I would send them to just school.
0: That's really funny. That was too funny. Anyways, so they would send these slaves and and prisoners to the Ludus, and they would turn ah, them—you're right, Mateo's
1: right— Ludus just means school.
0: It means school. Okay. I thought it was specific to gladiators, but I guess not. So they would send them to Ludus and they would turn them into killers to entertain the masses. And there was one school, Matteo in particular, super famous near Capua, run by a game, a game, run by a guy named Gaius Cornelius Lentulus Vatia.
1: Isn't that just Gaius? Is no,
0: Gaius is spelled differently. Oh, really? Yeah. Gaius is G A U S. Okay, 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 okay. So all right. So this guy, he was a former Tribune and a K-Star. So this is a very rich, powerful guy. Rich, powerful dude that happened to run a school to create killers to entertain the masses. Which, by the way,
1: it seems like kind of a backwards, uh, a backwards working idea, right there. We're gonna train these guys who we abuse and treat as property to be expert killers. Yes. And we're all going to put them all under the same roof. Yes, indeed. It seems like it would have some flaws.
0: It, it is. It seems like potentially a flawed system, but there aren't many instances of this going awry, Which oddly is enough. Also
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I guess they were they were very well run.
1: I guess so. Maybe we we should we should try that in like prisons and stuff. Yeah. And see if there's like a lower like amount of riots. Perhaps if you train. Yeah, that's. (laughs) I
0: don't think we should should do that. that. Yeah. So, needless to say, ancient Rome was a quirky place. And this is just one of those quirks. It's like a senator, you you can imagine a US senator running a training camp where you're cultivating killers. Yeah. Uh, So, Spartacus was in the school, Madeo. When he was taken prisoner, he was sent to Italy, sent to Capua to be trained under this Naias Cornelius Lentures Vatia in his ludus, And so, as I said, even though he was from Thrace, he was being trained as a heavyweight gladiator because the guy was just a physical specimen. Right. And these Mormillos, Matteo, they had a large oblong shield called a scutum, and they fought with a short sword, the Roman short sword, the gladius. Right. Uh, and that was and obviously he had a helmet on and you can see on our website the, the helmet of the mormillo was a really elaborate thing and on his arm Mateo one of his arms would be armored right. so that he could st- stop a blow from from an enemy right
1: instead of having like a little buckler right there
0: yeah instead of having a buckler which I think is a cool look Right? The, the, a the, no, but just the one arm the oh, yeah. armor.
1: I thought a buckler was pretty not cool. Yeah, yeah, but
0: yeah, I would agree with you. It's not cool. So we're in the year seventy-three BC, Mateo. Spartacus is 30 years old. He's a young guy. And conditions in this school were rough. In these schools, they tried to take care of the gladiators because they were, as you said, big investment, right? Right. But in Lentulus' school, like they had very little space, very little freedom. At night, Mateo, they would lock up the weapons, so they were aware that maybe giving these guys weapons to sleep with wasn't a good idea. Right. But a group of around 200 gladiators in this school were sick and tired of the bad conditions. And one night, they made a break for it, Mateo. They got kitchen knives and fought their way out of the school. Only 78 of them made it out. And I've seen different numbers. Some say like 68, 70, 74, but... We're gonna say 78, and amongst them were Spartacus and two other slaves that we know of. Obviously, there were 78 of them, but two other names we know were Crixus and Onomaus. Anomaus. Onomaus, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're probably right, Onomous. So Onomaus, we don't hear about again, but Crixus we do. So Spartacus and Crixus and 78 guys Soldiers were sent out from the school in Capua to retake these runaway slaves, but they the 78 defeated the guys that came after them and Spartacus's men took the weapons of these properly armed soldiers that came for them They threw aside their gladiator gear and they retreated up the slopes of Mount Vesuvius And around this time, the 78 guys decided to elect two leaders when they elected Spartacus and they elected Crixus right. to lead, to lead them. Okay. All right. So imagine this: they are up Mount Vesuvius, foraging. They have some weapons. They didn't really have a plan.
1: And was, right. They just got their freedom back. They're just getting back on their feet. They're not an army of uh, seventy thousand men right
0: now. N- no, that they're definitely not. And it's not clear what their objectives are. Although it seems like from the beginning.
1: Spartacus's objective
0: was to flee Italy.
1: Right. guy didn't really want to mess with the Romans. He knew what was going to happen. Yeah. He just wanted to get out of their, their reach, you know, he, yeah. away from their reach.
0: He wanted his freedom. Right. So, at this point, there are no major Roman armies in Italy. There was... The Roman armies were in the east, because this is the time of the Third uh, Mithridatic War, and they were also in Spain, where... Pompey was leading troops to put down Sertorius. Okay. So the Senate wasn't taking this seriously. This is the beginning of what's known in history as the Third Servile War. So the kind of the third revolt of the slaves. The other two we haven't really talked about them. They happened over a century before in Italy, and the Senate just said, eh, whatever. So just some, some, uh, whatever, some rabble up on Mount Vesuvius, and they sent a militia force to Vesuvius to put down this pesky little revolt. And right. the militia was a few few thousand guys, and it was led by a praetor, a guy named Gaius Claudius Glaber.
1: Can we say this is just like Star Wars, though?
0: In what sense? Like it just started
1: as a little pesky, little rabble of rebels. Oh, yeah. And then it turned into a big threat to the Empire. Oh, I
0: think you're absolutely right. I think it's a great analogy. It's a lot like Star Wars. The rebels. Yeah. And so, this guy is Claudius Glaber, and he's a praetor, which means he's kind of one level beneath the consul. So, he's a real guy. Seriously underestimated Spartacus. So, Vesuvius Manteo has only one side that you can climb up. The other side is basically sheer cliff. Right. And so, Glaber set up his force at the base of Vesuvius in the part where you could actually... Uh, climb up easily. Do you know how much men he brought with him? I, I think he had something like three, four thousand men
1: against seventy-eight.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. Although at this point the seventy-eight had probably grown because people were starting to at this, yeah starting to join Spartacus' cause. Like
1: the underground railroad. Yeah. They. So what, what do you think they were? At? Just maybe a hundred. I think they were probably
0: no. I think they were probably several hundred at this point. And you want to hear something nuts? Yeah. At this point in Italy, I've read that about a quarter of the population was made up of slaves.
1: That's crazy. And I think it's probably a similar number when it came to the, the Empire to type Because they had a lot of slaves.
0: But in the Roman Empire?
1: Yeah. You know
0: what? what's funny is, I think the number of slaves starts tailing off. I think this is the peak. Really? Because Rome's wars of massive expansion were sort of running their course, you know?
1: Right, but maybe at the peak of the empire, you know, Augustus?
0: Maybe. Yeah, maybe you're right. Although, with Augustus, you started to get laws protecting slaves. Like, as a master, you could no longer kill your slave for fun. Because
1: Augustus was a genius!
0: Augustus was a genius. Yeah, he really was. But back in these days, you could do whatever you wanted to these guys. They were your chattel, they were your property. And So a quarter of the population of the peninsula looked up one day and saw somebody kind of fighting back. At any rate, Glaber is set up at the base of the mountain, Mateo, thinking that it's just a question of time. He's gonna starve out Spartacus, he's gonna to have to come down that way, and he's gonna wipe him out. And what does Spartacus do? He started, he got vines, Mateo, from trees up on Vesuvius, and he used those vines to make ropes he rappelled down the steep side of Vesuvius that you could definitely not climb down. Right. Surprised the militia at night and wiped them out to a man, including Glaber, dead.
1: Wow. And that's, that's a big offense. Killing a senator? Yeah. You don't do that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Especially not as a slave. Especially not as a Roman yourself. You have no political power, no political influence, no allies. Can you kill a senator?
0: You're asking for trouble.
1: You're poking the wrong bear right
0: there. You're you're definitely poking the bear. So the Senate sent out a second praetor now against Spartacus, who was still on Vesuvius, and the second praetor, whose name I didn't write down, was also defeated, the force defeated, the praetor almost killed, and most of that second force was also wiped out. At this point, Spartacus' numbers, the the numbers of his army was starting to grow. He was getting a ton of real weapons, Matteo, from defeated Roman troops, So these guys were looking like Roman soldiers now. They were armored, they had swords, and Spartacus started training the troops. And this is why people think that perhaps he actually did fight in the legions, because the guy was tactically brilliant, and he started training himself, small clusters of troops, and then those troops would go in in turn and train other clusters, and with this exponential training technique, incredible. Uh, At this point, Mateo, the numbers, uh, by the way, you had, this was a multilingual, multi-ethnic army that Spartacus was sort of unwittingly putting together, and he had some ex-legionaries in there as well, guys that were on the wrong side of the social war, and I've read quotes or estimates, Mateo, saying that at its peak, this force was seventy to 120,000 men strong.
1: Wow, that's a lot of people
0: crazy number of
1: people. Ridiculous, yeah.
0: Yeah, and command was split between Spartacus and Crixus. Now, at this point, the Senate's getting genuinely worried. Like, now, now they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Two praetors wiped out. It's time to take this seriously. Right. So there were the two consuls of the day were a Lentulus and Agellius. They raised two consular armies, Matteo, and they started marching after Spartacus now at this point Spartacus had left Vesuvius Mateo and he was starting to drive north he wanted to escape to Gaul
1: he wanted out as whatever any smart man yeah but
0: you know what's interesting is because when you when you think Spartacus and when you think and when you see him in, in television and movies and like it's like it, it felt it seems like he's set up as going against the like his right. objective right. is to take down Rome
1: and the slave trade, and it's always like yeah. trying to make him see, make it seem like it's an army set out to set other men free. Yes. Like something like that, but that's not the case. That is... People it, were just following this guy around. This guy was just yeah, trying to make his way north.
0: That's exactly right. People were following him around. And they were escaped slaves. They were freedmen on farms. The oppressed flocked to his banner.
1: Samnites, probably. A lot yeah, of but I'm sure,
0: I'm sure a lot of Samnites. But the truth is, as you said, his objective was not to be this great liberator... Of, of the oppressed. I think his objective was to just get out of get out of Dodge.
1: Yeah, he probably could have done that easily if he, if he was on his own.
0: Probably, yeah, if he weren't lugging around 100,000 people. So now he has two consular armies coming after him, Matteo. You had Lentulus's army in the north in Cisalpine Gaul. So between Spartacus and the Escape Over the Alps was a consular army and you had the second consular army sweeping up from the south, Gellius' army. So it was a pincer movement, one coming down from the north, one moving up from the south. And at this point, Mateo, the army of Spartacus' army was split between Spartacus and Crixus. Crixus had about 30,000 men. Spartacus probably had, I don't know, 40,000 men. And Crixus encountered Gellius. The first battle was between Crixus and Gellius. And before I tell you what happened in the battle, Crixus was a little different. Spartacus wanted to escape. Crixus wanted to take the fight to Rome. So it it felt like Crixus actually was that guy. Not about liberating the slaves, but about... Bringing down the institution. Exactly right. Bringing down the people that had enslaved him. So Crixus takes on Gellius in battle. Gellius had the high ground. What does that remind you of?
1: Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Versus Anakin. (laughs) Yeah. Look, don't ever go against someone with the high ground. <laughs> Never. That's all I'm going to say.
0: And again, I have the high ground. Uh, you should get cut
1: up to shreds.
0: Yeah, so that's what happened to Crixus. Despite the fact that he was personally uh, showed great valor in battle, the slave army made three attempts to take the high ground from the Romans, and they were defeated and completely wiped out, the 30,000-man
1: army. Battle bunker, Hill.
0: Yeah. yeah. Battle of Bunker Hill.
1: Yeah? Well, I guess it's not the same because they eventually won the hill.
0: But. Y- yeah, it's not the same.
1: It's more like Little Round Top in the Civil War. Yeah.
0: So Spartacus heard about Crixus' death and he was devastated. So, and he, this is how he responded, Mateo. He had about three or four hundred Roman prisoners and he held a gladiatorial Combat and he made his Roman prisoners fight as gladiators to the death in Crixus's honor.
1: That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like, you know, reversing. Well, I don't how to explain it. But
0: yeah. It is. It's yeah. a reversal. It is it's a, reversal. a role reversal. It is a role reversal. So after the games were held, Matteo, he moved north, engaged the consul, Lentulus, and destroyed him. And then he wheeled around to face Gellius, who was sweeping north, and he crushed Gellius.
1: Okay, so boom. He won his freedom. Yes. The doors are open.
0: Mateo, this is the mystery of Spartacus. The
1: gates of salvation.
0: Nobody was standing between him and the Alps. And yet, he didn't escape. Why? Nobody knows why. I've read everything I could possibly read. Many people speculate. Nobody knows why.
1: Maybe it went to his head. You defeat two cons armies, you probably got to be feeling pretty good about yourself.
0: Maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's it. Maybe he said, you know what? I'm going to see Crixus's dream realized. Because that's exactly what he did, Mateo. Instead of marching to the Alps and to freedom, he turned his victorious army around and he moved back south down the italian peninsula so if the senate was worried before you can imagine they are massively freaked out now
1: yeah this is basically they haven't had this issue since hannibal yeah there's a guy running around the peninsula of italy crushing every single army that comes towards him killing senators consuls they haven't seen this since the Punic Wars. None of these guys are around for that. They only heard stories, but now we have this guy rampaging around. Isn't that incredible?
0: And I hadn't thought about that, Mateo. But you're right; that is the last time. It was Hannibal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so what did the Senate do? Because remember, Pompeii is in Spain. Uh, the other armies in the east are in uh, are in Sula, Pontus.
1: Sulla's in, uh, yeah, Pontus, right? Sulla's dead. Oh well, yeah, okay, dead.
0: And so they turned to. They were looking for volunteers. And one guy volunteered. The richest man in Rome, our old friend. Crassus. Mr. Crassus. Yep. So Crassus said, hey guys, not only will I volunteer, but I'll spend my own money to raise an army. And I'll do it. Because we know that Crassus wanted one thing more than anything else. What did he want? Glory. He wanted military glory. Respect. So he raised 8 legions, Matteo, about 40,000 experienced soldiers, and he marched south in pursuit
1: of you'd, Crassus. You know who would be such a good actor for Crassus. Who? Jesse Eisenberg. You know this guy from uh, Yeah, I from do. Facebook movie. I don't know why I just think he, You think a he would? Movie. I think he would be perfect with Crassus.
0: He doesn't look very crass. I mean, he doesn't No, does he Crassus
1: under... just reminds me of a smuggy little fr- little twerk.
0: Ah, uh, Crassus. Yeah, 100%. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry, he, I, I got confused. Was I was thinking Spartacus. I'm like, no, that no, guy doesn't like Spartacus. Crassus is Yeah. Like a total yeah. total Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with all due respect to Jesse Eisenberg, I'm sure yeah, he's... Yeah, not you. You're great. He's awesome. You do act those characters quite but often. But you're right, you're right. That's, that's an interesting idea. All right, well, if we, we get the chance to direct a movie on Crassus and Spartacus, we'll try to cast him. So, we saw last week, Mateo, that one of the first things that Crassus did to motivate his army was to kill one out of every 10 soldiers under his command. Right. So he's already and, starting off to a hot start. Yes. The act of decimation. So it just ah, it does not speak wonderful things about his character.
1: Yeah.
0: And in their first major engagement with with Spartacus, Spartacus defeated Crassus's legate and two of Crassus's legions. So the, the beginning is was was touch and go right. for Crassus. But Crassus somehow managed to regroup, and I think that's when he killed one out of every ten soldiers. Basically, hey, you might be afraid of Spartacus, but you should be more afraid of me. And then he started winning several small engagements, Matteo, against Spartacus, because at the end of the day, you're talking about 40,000 seasoned Roman legionnaires versus a 70,000-man rabble, And even if Spartacus right. was... A
1: brilliant commander. You can't. You can't learn in a, fo- a couple weeks no. what a Roman soldier did in twenty five years. No, most definitely not. Because I'm not confused. That's how long the contract is, right? Like twenty five years. I uh,
0: I don't know if it's twenty. I think there were different lengths of contract. Uh, that's but, a That's a I'm great just question. I'm
1: completely basing that off of freaking movie I saw. So, <laughs>
0: but, but you might be right. Let's Let's. We need to look this up, and we'll talk about it in the next episode. But so Spartacus is seeing. Man, I I have a real challenge on my hands now. These aren't. Uh, ragtag militias and they're not the consular armies. The these are this is a serious opposition. So he started retreating further south, Mateo, and he retreated to Reggio Calabria. Well, he what, should have been retreating north, to be honest. But. He he should have been gone across the Alps. Yeah, he
1: should have been yeah, he should have been gone. He have should have been
0: gone thing. across the Alps to Gaul.
1: Yeah, if he had just gone if he forget Gaul, if he had just went back to Bulgaria too, but if he had went to Gaul boom easy disbands his army yeah and he Here, disappears he made, he made a fool out of Rome yeah something they won't forget quick he becomes a legend basically
0: but it, you know it's weird it's you're right and he, it's like he made the same mistake as Hannibal. Hannibal like if he was really about sticking it to the Romans why not march on Rome and Hannibal made the same mistake twice he had two opportunities to mark march on Rome we talked about it in uh, in Scipio's episode and and he and he refused to. And the same thing here. If he was really about taking the fight to Rome, why did he go south? And not just south, Matteo, but uh, Reggio Calabria, or Regium, as it was called, is it's the toe. It's the end, Matteo, of, uh, I think this the end of 72 BC, and he's in the toe, and he struck a deal with some Cilician pirates. They were going to ferry uh, Spartacus' army to Sicily. And he was going to set up a new home base in Sicily and would be protected there on the island from from Crassus to some extent. But the pirates betrayed him, Matteo. When the day came for the ships to show up, they never showed up, but they had taken his money and escaped. And Crassus is closing in.
1: That's not good.
0: No. Crassus, we talked about this a little bit in his episode, he built fortifications all the way across the Isthmus, all the way across the Toe. hem in Spartacus. And these fortifications, Matteo, consisted of a ditch that was 60 kilometers long, five kilometers wide, with a high wooden wall or palisade behind it. It was serious. Right. And this is winter now. And you know there's no foraging in winter. So Spartacus finds himself in a very difficult position. He has to make a move. Yeah. And around this time news arrived both to Spartacus as well as to Crassus, that Pompey is on his way back from Spain. We know that he didn't actually defeat Sertorium, uh, Sertorius, rather, but he took credit for it after Sertorius was assassinated. So he's on his way back to help Crassus, and Spartacus knows he doesn't have much time. Right. And by the way, Crassus knows that he doesn't have much time because he didn't want to share the glory. So Spartacus actually reached out Matteo to Crassus and said, Let's negotiate a truce. Crassus said, no truce. He wants to crush his enemy. So Spartacus knew he had no choice. He had to make a break for it. And deep at night, Matteo, in the middle of a massive winter storm, snow was swirling. So is snow swirling in the boot in the toe of Italy. But supposedly, snow is swirling. And Spartacus filled in a small section of the ditch with earth and sticks and was able to escape with one third of his army. And he started running towards Brundisium, on the other side of the peninsula, which is Brindisi. And we know that that's where the ships would leave from, right, to cross the Adriatic to Greece. So maybe he's finally saying, yeah, it's time to go. Maybe he's running home. But his army, Matteo, started to fragment. And there were two guys in the slave army named Gaius, Canisius, and Castus. And they commanded a splinter army from the main army of rebels. And Crassus caught up to them. A terrible battle ensued, Matteo, 12,000 rebels were killed. 12,000 rebels. So this, you're starting to see this noble resistance start to fall. But Plutarch wrote something interesting, Matteo, which is that Crassus, as he went amongst the bodies, observed that of the 12,000 men that he killed, only two had knives stuck in their backs. What
1: does
0: that mean? They didn't turn and run. Except for two of them. Except for two. Two of
1: 12,000. Wow, that's so, pretty awesome.
0: Pretty unbelievable, right? Yeah. They stood toe-to-toe with the Roman legions, fought for their liberty. And died. But you can see here, this was really all about Spartacus. Because once Spartacus wasn't there to lead the troops,
1: they just completely fell apart. Yeah,
0: they were mincemeat. So Spartacus at this point, to retreated up in the mountains, somewhere near the town of Senerkia which is a word that comes from Sena Heraclea, or the bosom of Hercules. Okay. Well not like breasts of Hercules. Yeah, like the chest. Bosom. Chest. Chest is bosom. It okay. can be a male bosom, it can be a female bosom. Okay. Alright? It <laughs> just goes somewhere okay, weird. I guess. <laughs> so he's high up in the mountains in a valley next to on the banks of a river called the Sealy River. So imagine Mateo a high river valley, okay?
1: hmm
0: And he's still trying to move east. To escape but he saw that the army was starting to disintegrate men were starting to flee men were turning and trying to fight the legionnaires the, the Roman legions without Spartacus's guidance and control and Spartacus saw that if he continued moving east Menteo, he was gonna be done for the entire army was gonna fall apart and they would be slaughtered right so if he was gonna do something he needed to do something when he still had control of the bulk of the army then so he decided, Matteo, to turn and to fall upon Crassus with the might of the army that remained. Right, which was somewhere around what? I'm thinking at this point it's something like 30,000 men.
1: Okay, so significant drop off. Yeah.
0: So, by the way, I could be wrong, but it, that's what I'm thinking.
1: Educated guess.
0: Educated guess. So it's time to make the final stand while he still has an army to fight with. And. Mateo, Plutarch says it best. Plutarch says, when Spartacus' horse was brought to him, he drew his sword and killed it, saying that the enemy had plenty of good horses, which would be his if he won, and if he lost, he wouldn't need a horse at all. Then he made straight for Crassus himself, charging forward through the press of weapons and wounded men, and though he did not reach Crassus, he cut down two centurions who fell on him together. Finally, when his own men had taken to flight, he himself, surrounded by enemies, still stood his ground and died, fighting to the last.
1: So, if his if his men didn't uh, basically rout, yes, he could have had a chance.
0: Yeah, and that's the dif- difference between Romans and slaves. That's it. The, the guys Professionals
1: didn't... Professionals and uh, imitations.
0: Yeah. And no, no matter how brave they were, and they were clearly brave. They
1: were battle-hardened. Well, I mean, I guess they kind of... They saw some battles, but they, they did not for years and
0: years. But it's different. It's absolutely yeah. different. And Crassus had 40,000 seasoned, disciplined soldiers under his command. So Spartacus was killed... Although, Spartacus's body was never found Matteo, right And I would like to think
1: that maybe, just maybe. You survived? Yeah. Imagine, like if it was a movie. Yeah. Like the battle's over, you see like Spartacus disappear and like a pile of endless bodies and then it cuts to another scene. People talking about the whole like revolt hmm. a year later, like in a bar or something. I guess I don't have bars there. Yeah, they had the taverns in a tavern or something. And in the corner is just Spartacus like drinking a pint of ale, like uh, looking at, feeling his scars, thinking about uh, the battle that he escaped. You know,
0: I love it. I love it. I would love to think that he pulled it off, that he maybe made it to Brindisi, and and maybe we see that in your movie. By the way, with like it's the the wind. And the rain is lashing his face, and he finds a fishing boat. And Yeah,
1: he's wounded, and he's stumbling he, through yeah, the forest, and ex- they're hunting him down. Exactly. He just crawls into the boat, and he lets the river take him, passes out in the boat. Exactly. That'd be cool. And lives into legend.
0: Well, the truth is, we don't know. And none of the historical sources know his, his body truly was never found. And you have to imagine that Crassus... Like, Crassus is not going to let that go easily. Right. He looked for Spartacus. Right. He would not just leave him randomly on the battlefield. Of course not. Because he was a trophy. Really? Crassus was all about trophies. So 6,000 rebels, Matteo, uh, were captured and crucified by Crassus on the Appian Way. We talked about it in the last episode... As a sign to the 25% of the population of Italy that was enslaved, enslaved.
1: Don't mess with
0: us. Don't mess with us. There were a few thousand other rebels that escaped. They were hunted down by Pompey and killed. And we know that Pompey took credit for ending the war, and he received the credit for ending the war. And that was the end of Spartacus, Matteo. And that is the end of the Third Servile War. Now, to our listeners... Please visit our website, www.lostromanheroes.com, so that you can see, <clears throat> amongst other things, the map, excuse me, the, the image that Matteo created in uh, in ChatGPT of Spartacus on the eve of that final battle. I love this image.
1: Yeah, it'd be cool if they kind of expanded it more, though. Like you can see more of his body. Yeah. Is. But yeah, the bear, you know, he looks cool. He's it. Just his eyes are piercing. Yeah, he has a very rugged, like battle-worn face.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would like to think that he looked something like that. I don't know why I feel sad. I feel sad for Spartacus. Me
1: too. I mean, he didn't. Des- he was a slave, you know. He was a you slave. Feel bad when yeah you know, you're playing inhumane. Yeah. You're not treated as a human, and then all you want for yourself is your freedom. You know, uh, the opportunity to to live life the way of your choosing and not be someone else's property. Yeah. And it's what he wanted, but, you know, that's not how the world was back then, and the world was really against him, you
0: know? The world was against him every step of the way. Yep.
1: And And he just wanted to go home. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing.
0: But why didn't he
1: flee across the Alps when he had a chance? I don't know. Maybe he felt duty-bound. Maybe his men convinced him. Yes. I mean, he was leading a group of 70,000 people, you know? And these guys all came together, not till we could all escape together, and like in a big party, like we all hopped in the same boat. These guys came together for a common reason, a common purpose, you know. They were done with the tyranny of Rome and being the little guy and they wanted to poke the bear, which I guess Spartacus (laughs) really didn't want to do. But he was was basically thrown at the head of the snake. Yeah, he
0: did not want to poke the bear. Well, Spartacus, that is your story. And now we need to rank him, Mateo. And this is a tricky one, but let's work our way through it. So, first of all, how big was his military
1: success? Listen, he beat two constant armies, two militias. He broke out of a slave school. Um, he was able to sneak an army of like 30,000 men across a river or a moat, I, I think, out uh, of a trench. Yeah. Um, in the middle of the night in the middle of the winter he was almost able to pull off a victory but there's nothing you can do at the end of the day the nu- the, the numbers were always against him yes the numbers were always against him which, which says a lot about his military success but at the same time it justifies him like losing at the end i mean look he was facing 40,000 or so hardened roman veterans well equipped well fed uh well organized his army we speculate the number it could be anywhere from I don't know. At that point, it could be anywhere from twenty thousand to fifty thousand. We really yeah. don't know. But they all not all of them were well equipped. Not all of them were seasoned fighters. We were well organized, well fed, so they were on the run. You know, so, um, it was always against him. The numbers always against him. So, I even though he did lose at the end, I think it says less about his military capabilities, um, and more than more, it says more about the situation he was in.
0: I agree with you, and I I didn't mention this previously, but this entire series of events took three years. For three years, he stood toe-to-toe with the world's most powerful empire and most formidable military machine, and he did so successfully. Yep. So, what do we rank him?
1: What do you you think? I think he's got to be pretty high. Right, I think so too. I mean, I'm, can he be higher than Sertorius? Though? I don't think he
0: can be higher than Sertorius. Okay. I, don't, I don't think so. So, Sertorius did remarkable things with very little in the way right. of resources. And we have
1: to take this into account.
0: Yeah. So, Sertorius, we Sertorius was an average of eight and a half, Matteo, and I, I was thinking sort of seven, eight for for Spartacus.
1: I'll give him. I'll give him a a
0: a seven. A seven? Yeah. Okay, you give him a seven. I think I'm going to go seven and a half. Okay. Because I have a real soft spot for him, and I know you, you say I'm biased yeah, all the a time.
1: Yeah, you're a big soft spot kind of guy. <laughs> you love being biased <laughs> and having your little
0: heroes. No, seriously. Okay. okay, but you think that's unfair giving him an extra half point? You think he's a seven. You no, ranked, ranked saying, a seven. You're just saying in general I have don't issues. Don't
1: expect anybody... Unless his name is Belisarius to even come close to rankings when it comes to my dad, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, don't expect him to rank ever lower than Scipio until we get to Belisarius or Aurelian. That's literally it, okay? <laughs> this guy's <laughs> such a freaking
0: <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to go like with a very cool, calm, mathematical approach to this ranking thing. You don't have to
1: justify. You're a fanboy. It's but right. I have, let's move on. I have okay. emotions. Yep, yep. that's right. Let's okay. move
0: on. Okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, how big was their political success? Uh, zero. Yeah, I mean, he had it's, no it's, political success. Yeah, it's, it's zero. He just said, let's blow up the system. Yeah. And not even, because he didn't do it on purpose. All right, yeah. so he's a zero. Uh, this one is easy, Mateo. What is their cool hero factor? It's The brute from Thrace. It, it's hard to get any cooler. Yeah, it is hard. He is a kind of cool that continues...
1: Uh, to reverberate through time, and we gave Sula a ten. So we and gave Satoris a ten. Yeah. So this so is this is this guy's ten plus. you kind of hard yeah to give ten. Yeah. You know what? We should also, we, we rate the coolest. Old, like it's always like we always rate them at least like ten or three. Like there's that is three. true.
0: There's no in between. That's a fair point, Matteo. It looks like we do have a little bit of a problem with ranking. Actually, that's not true. If you go back to earlier episodes, just recently we've dealt with. Some extremely uncool people, Crassus, uh, yeah. and some super duper
1: cool people. But it's like if we, it's like every time we agree they're cool, we just give them a 10. Yeah, we
0: go to a 10. Okay, do you think that this guy deserves oh, less no, this than guy, a 10.
1: I think this guy's cooler than Sertorius. Than yeah, I, way, so. I tend
0: to agree with you. I tend to agree with yeah. you. I think maybe we overcooled those guys.
1: Yeah, impact, massive. I mean,
0: All right, talk me through impact. And, so, okay, uh,
1: relative impact. Like, okay, in the moment after he died, yeah, no, no other slave revolts, no other major slave revolts, but it happened for a long time, especially not in Italy, you know. Um, so I guess after he died, that really just put an end to a lot of things. So he wasn't super impactful like that. He didn't march on Rome. He did beat a lot. He beat up a lot of of, of like senators and stuff. So he made his point. But we see two thousand years later that he's had a big impact because well, he's a very popular figure in Hollywood and and popular media and culture. So um it, it seems like maybe his impacted like it, 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 it or his legend I guess aged like fine wine you know Was did the impact I guess I don't know I think it was a medium impact you know it didn't alter the course of Rome's history yeah it, it really didn't like um, yeah he was definitely he definitely made an impact in the moment like he, he was significant of a threat uh, he beat some armies up and he was. Like, the guy that was always in the headlines for three years in a row. Yeah. But, I mean, he didn't... Nothing really changed because of him afterwards.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Augustus,
1: like you said, I guess Augustus changed the system 50 years later.
0: But. Yes. I agree. His impact... He scared the bejesus out of the Romans, but it didn't necessarily change the Roman system. Certainly not in his life. However, uh, Spartacus serves as an inspiration to the oppressed. You know, it's not just him showing up in in movies and TV shows, but I think he's sort of some uh, ray of hope for oppressed people around the world. Right. And that's a pretty remarkable impact or or legacy, certainly, for Spartacus. But uh, getting to, like, the flip side of this conversation is, what would the world have been without Spartacus? And... I don't think the world necessarily would have been any different. Right. Do you?
1: Um, I don't think it would have been different, no.
0: So what do we rank him? What's his lasting impact on the world, Matteo? We're still talking about him today, so that is, that's real impact.
1: So, People
0: that know nothing about Rome know something of Spartacus.
1: I'm going to give him
0: uh, a 5.5. Oh. So you're saying if 5 is average, you're giving him a little bit above average.
1: Yeah, because look, there's a lot of people that have been impactful in history that we forget about. So just because the fact that we talk about him, popular figure, doesn't necessarily mean he was impactful, you know? I mean, um, I, I, actually, I'm going to give him a six. I'm going to give him a six. Okay, I was going to go six. I'll give him a six. I,
0: okay, so let's, we give him two sixes. Yeah. And with that, Spartacus is at a 58% Mateo, and a 58% puts him... Uh, just above, actually, just below Mateo, uh, Cunctator, just above Aeneas of Troy. You know what? What
1: are we, are we kind of idiots for giving Aeneas? Uh, oh, oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. So, and, and I guess Look, I'm, I'm saying, well, okay, one of these what? days when we get to episode 20 or 30, huh? I say we have a special episode. Yeah, where we reevaluate every single rating. Okay, and we can certainly do that. Just because we have been putting it off, and I think the more, uh, I mean, the more deep into the show we get, uh, the more consistent our rating gets. Yes, our our systems of rating get. That is true. We should definitely reevaluate the subjects of of rating. Yeah,
0: I I tend to agree with you, and I think we'll do that one day. Scipio Africana should be a little bit higher. <laughs> oh my God, bro. No, I agree. your point's a good one. We should do a special episode at some point. Yeah. I don't think when we get to 20 because we're at 20 next episode oh, so maybe like 30. yeah, maybe like 30. So okay, I, I think that's a fair rating for Spartacus um, because in two huge categories or one huge one political, he didn't even compete so tough for him to get a higher score right But the real question I have for you is, this is a podcast called Lost Roman Heroes. He was not Roman. In fact, went down in history as having he uh, became a legend because he fought against Rome.
1: Well, when we talk about his name, it's always mentioned with Rome. Yes. You know, there's been many, many movies about him. Yes. You know, there has been Rome or there has been movies on a lot of people we've mentioned before. That's true. That is very true. Um, he definitely had a very uh, heroic cause. Yes, I he did. I would say like the morals definitely support that. Um, he yeah, he was kind of like it was like a an ancient uh, underground railroad kind of thing you know so yeah was he a hero he was definitely a hero was he a hero of Rome of course not he was I guess. For the Romans, he was the villain. Yes. But it's really what you could say the Romans are the Romans the people, or are the Romans the, the senators? That's yeah. really how you yeah. define it, I think.
0: Yeah, that's actually a great point. And, and the truth is, when you read about Spartacus in the three sort of, not contemporary, but almost contemporary historians, Roman historians uh, Appian, uh, Plutarch, and Sallust, they all speak admiringly of Spartacus. Right. And they sort of build him up to be an almost noble. Uh, you know, fought in the Roman style, fought in the legions, was respectful to some extent, Matteo, of the structures of Rome. Like, right? And, he seems
1: like a tragic hero. Like, a, like yes, like it was a, he befell a tragedy. He is. So you know what? I'm gonna say, yeah, he's a hero. And he's definitely a hero. Is he a hero from Rome? He's not. Well, maybe not. But he is a hero. I think.
0: And so he belongs in the hall.
1: Yeah. I have to agree with you, Mateo. Now, would he like being in the hall with a bunch of friends? Th- that is <laughs> a yeah, very he's... fine
0: question. I don't know. I think, you know what, that's kind of a cool idea. I think he would love hanging out with, like, Sertorius. Yeah. I think they would get along.
1: Because they did some similar things. Yeah,
0: because they were both rebels. They both I fought it. I think he'd
1: freaking hate that
0: guy. I, I think he'd hate Demilianus as well. So, Spartacus, I say congratulations to you. Let's give him a little clap. Yeah. Let's give him a little clap. You are in the hall of heroes. And you definitely deserve to be there. Yeah. Um, for anybody that wants to see the Hall of Heroes, you can find it on our website at www.lostromanheroes.com. As soon as we sign off, I'm going to post an updated version so you can see Spartacus up there. I'd like to ask everybody, please, to continue leaving reviews. We really need the reviews.
1: Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Please visit our Twitter <laughs> at Lost Heroes. It's honestly, it's such an amazing community there, and it's the best way that, uh, you know, you could in- we could interact with each other, and it really helps the growth of the podcast, and uh, it'd be amazing. Yeah.
0: Uh, I could not agree with Matteo more. Speaking it, of Twitter. So speaking of Twitter, actually, we have. I was. I want to read that in our next episode. I wanted to read Matteo a message that we received on our website. You guys can email us as well at info at And we got an email not too long ago, which was just awesome. And I wanted to read it, but I'm not gonna read the name of the person that sent it. i want to preserve your privacy. But Mateo, do you wanna read this, this yeah. note, this little email we got? Sure. Because it was
1: amazing. Pizza Chef over here in London, UK. Between making dough and chopping mozzarella, I have a lot of time to digest history podcasts. Really enjoying this one, the format and how casual the chat is while still being engaging. Just up to the Scipio episodes and Mateo's naptime requirements have been mentioned multiple times. <laughs> I recommend a good double espresso 20 minutes before you, hit the re- before you hit record. If you ever need a pizza in London, let me know and the tab is on me. It's the least I can offer for the hours of listening time. Cheers. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. It that
0: really is awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just... the, the UK, that's like the roots because my mom. Yep.
0: <laughs> so, meaning your mom was born in mm-hmm. the UK.
1: Brighton. She's a Brit. She's a Brit, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to annoy her when yeah. she hears it on the I mean, podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I my have British, my British side of me too. You know, yeah, I, you do. You got
0: it. You got roots. You got yeah, roots. Talk about the roots.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have my own British personality too. <laughs> I trip it out sometimes. Okay, can we hear the accent or no? Yeah, my name's Tommy T. You know, (laughs) me love to go to Britain on holiday. (laughs) Okay, finally,
0: I've been begging you. Next time, we're going to Scotland. I want to hear it. All right, so anyways, thank you so much for that email. Thank you for the reviews. Please continue to reach out to us. I want to welcome a new country, Matteo. We have Nepal. Somebody in Nepal is downloading our podcast which blows my mind blows my mind
1: hopefully he keeps downloading on like uh, Jamaica he, he podcast.
0: <laughs> see we do have some one and done countries that's true yeah. and Jamaica is one of those we love Jamaica
1: yeah come and, back to us but they don't love us like, I thought one love Jamaica <laughs> man one love but they don't love us
0: I know I know but there's still hope anyways thank you to everyone for listening this podcast gives us absolute joy it really does making the podcast and hearing from you guys please keep it coming and join us next week when we will be talking about
1: pompeius magnus it's a big one pompey pompey i don't care how you say it we're going to talk about him
0: and it's going to be big and it may be a two-episoder right
1: he's like, he's a big big people I don't realize how big Pompey is so pompey yeah big boy yeah definitely he's like a bulldog
0: what give me give me like five words on what you think of when you think of Pompey
1: I think of power, ego um, influence, might and mm, iron ooh like a Stonewall like Stonewall Jackson ooh all right Pompey
0: I like this I like this I can't wait. That's it for for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week.